Hey guys, good morning. We are glad to be here with you again. We were, <coughs> you may have a little bit of that today. <coughs> we were hoping to be in the building with you guys. Um, but as you know, uh, we came down sick. We are now the, uh, the COVID house. Um, our family, we like doing everything together. And so we decided, you know, if we're going to get COVID, let's just all four do it at once. And <laughs> so that's what we've done. And um, <laughs> our symptoms for the most part have been relatively mild. We have run some, some fevers. I guess I had the most significant fever. I, we had this little competition going, I know we're sick. We're weird. We're out of this world, you know people don't understand us, but we had this little competition going with every time Tammy would go around and take our temperatures, we would try to see who had the highest temperature. And, uh, and I won every time. Okay. I, I won that, that competition every time. What was my record, Tammy? 102.7. 102.7 was my record. And so, um, I ought to get a little COVID trophy or something at the end of this. My my fever is gone now, by the way. Uh, by the way I'm acting, you may think I still have my fever, but I don't. It's gone. And, uh, and I do want to say to you guys, man, we love you guys. I've been reading the comments over here and the prayers and the encouragement that you guys are giving to us. Um, we've had we've had some of you help us during the week. I know we didn't broadcast this earlier in the week. <laughs> Because we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know whether it was COVID or not. We didn't find out until 10 o'clock last night um, that it was actually COVID. We kind of had our suspicions, um, but we weren't positive. And so we didn't really release it to a lot of people. We didn't know what we were going to do with Sunday. Um, we thought at one point maybe trying to bring me in live and still have everybody um, there, but me, you know, stay over here at the house and bring in the message. And, and we just, we talked about a lot of different stuff and we just decided this, this would probably be the best thing to do is just continue to have it online for this week. As far as next week, um, we'll keep you updated because we got to get together and, and discuss that. So, but guys, just the encouragement and everything has been a huge blessing. And listen, I know that that just seems to be a part of your all's nature because that's not unique to the Lanham family. Anytime somebody's in need of prayer or in need of uh, some type of service or anything like that, you guys, you guys come to the aid. You guys jump to it. And listen, it's not always the same people. It's not always just, just two or three people doing all the work within the church. Um, at different times, it's different ones of you doing different things. And that that is what church is about. That's what that's what the theme of this year is, is do something. And you guys um, exemplify that. And so I, I applaud you. Thank you guys for for being that way, uh, for coming to the call, for being so encouraging. Um, it really makes it easier uh, to get up and preach and to lead and to do all the things that we do here <clears throat> because of you guys. So before I before I got into the message this morning, I just wanted to wanted to say that. Hey, guys, I believe and you all have heard me say this before. There is something that you do better than most other people. My friend Evan Carmichael, who wrote the book, Your One Word, goes so far as to say that everybody has Michael Jordan level talent at something. That's pretty extreme statement. 
but he may be on to something there. We've all got something that we do at least better than most other people because God has equipped us that way. God has made us to be able to serve him in a specific way that doesn't necessarily match up with everybody else because all of us are unique. We are all his masterpiece, all his work of art. You've heard me talk about that out of Ephesians 2.10, that we are his work of art. But the cool thing about art is that it is not all the same. If it's all the same, it's not really art. It's just copy, right? And so God has made you in a specific way to serve him in specific ways. There is something that you do better than most other people. In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter puts it this way. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Now, let's, let's, let's just look at this verse a second. God has given each of you some special abilities. <laughs> he didn't say God has given some of you special abilities. It says God has given each of you some special abilities. Now, you may not have the same special ability as somebody else, but you have a special ability. There is something you do better than most other people. The second section of that says, be sure to use them to help each other. Let's help each other. Let's, let's use those to serve each other in the church. I just commented on that a little earlier, how we've been doing that. You know, find out what are your talents? What, what are those things that you do better than most other people? God wants you using those within the church context. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later. And then that last part, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Listen, it's not only for the church, but it's serving in general. It's serving the world. God is giving us, given us these special abilities, each one of us, not just my calling, not just your neighbor's calling. It's not just the person who sits on the opposite end of the pew from you's calling. It's your, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a calling, you have a special ability. And, and let me just emphasize your abilities are in connection and in alignment with your calling. God's not going to give you an ability to do something and give you a calling in a complete different direction. Okay? He gives you those abilities. I think it was Rick Warren that said your abilities are your are your abilities is your map to your calling. When you put your abilities together, it's your map to your calling. And listen, God wants to work in you. He didn't give you these special abilities just so you could say, hey, look what my special abilities are. He, he gave them to you in order to work through you to bless others. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Now, the opposite end of that, there's certain things we don't do well. Okay. I've told you guys before, you don't want me working on your car. Okay, if your car's messed up, don't come to me <laughs> to try to fix it. Go to Antonio, okay? Or somebody who knows what they're talking about. Somebody that 
that has that ability. I don't have that ability. Matter of fact, I had a mechanical bypass when I was very young. All right. That's calling. Why? Because it's not in alignment with my abilities. What is something I do well? I get in front of people and I talk well. Okay. I have an ability there. And I'm not bragging about that because there's a lot of people that do a lot better job than I do. But I do feel I do a better job at it than most other people. Because God has given me that ability. Not because of my own efforts and strength, because God has given me that ability. And part of my calling is what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching. I am teaching the word of God. That's part of my calling in the way that I do this. And listen, every one of us have those abilities, those special abilities that God is using in us and through us to make a difference in this world. As we look at life management and how we manage our life, we have to look at the aspect of managing our talents. Now, several weeks ago, I think it was back in January, we looked at the story in Matthew chapter 25. Now, we're not going to read this, but we're just going to we're going to reflect on it because we've already looked at it back a few weeks ago. <laughs> but it bears repeating. By, by the way, you know, repetition is the father of learning. OK, so just because you've heard this before doesn't mean that it's not going to be benefit. Don't tune me out. Don't say, all right, I'm, I'm going to go get me something to drink or something. All right, listen to this because we, we need to hear this over and over and over. I need to hear this over and over and over. You know how many times I've heard these Bible stories? I've been in church since I was five years old. Okay, I've heard these a billion times. But when I go into it with the right mindset, I always get a new perspective or a new understanding or, or something that comes from it. When I go into it with the right perspective, repetition is the father of learning. So in Matthew chapter 25, and I would encourage you to go back and read these sometime, maybe today or at least this week. It's in 25 verses 14 through 30, and it's called the parable of the talents. And it's where this master was leaving. I don't know if he was going on vacation or having a business deal or whatever, but he was leaving and he, he left some of his talents, which was a measure of money in, at this time. And we're not talking about money today, but the principle applies, especially with the word talents, which is where we get our word talents, by the way, is from this, this passage. He leaves these talents with his servants. With one servant, he leaves five talents. With another servant, he leaves two talents. And another servant, he leaves one talent. And if you remember this story, you know that he's gone for a long time and then he comes back and he checks with one servant and he goes, what'd you do with the, with the talents that I left you? And the one with five talents says, oh, oh, master, you're going to be so proud. I doubled it. I now have 10 talents. And the master, you know, was celebrating, says, good for you. Good. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Come and celebrate with me. And then the one who had the two talents, he asked him and he says, we've got four now. I've, I've doubled it. And he's like, good job. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Come and celebrate. Come and, and, come and enjoy the master's celebration because you have done a good thing here. And then he goes to the one that only had one talent. And the one that had one talent says, 
Master, I was afraid. So I hid it. I buried it. But it's safe and secure. Here it is. I give it back to you. That's not what the master wanted. The master wanted him to use the talent he gave him. He didn't want him to hide it. He didn't want him to bury it. He did not want him to make decisions out of fear. Okay. The other two took risk. When you invest money, is that a risk? Yeah. Now, some investments are riskier than others, and you got to calculate that out. But there's always some level of risk. But the other two were willing to take that risk, and they were blessed because of it. The one was not willing to take that risk. And the master eventually said, away from me, you lazy and wicked servant. And he cast him out where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what that's a symbol of. So you had these three guys and they all had these talents. We're all given talents, okay? Now listen, some people may be given more talents than you. That's okay. Some people are given more talents than me. Some people may be given less talents than you. Don't let that go to your head. Don't become prideful because you have more talents than somebody else. And don't become depressed because somebody else has more talents than you. Because, you know, in reality, they're not really our talents. They're God's talents. He just lets us use them. And he decides what talents we have to use and how many talents we have to use. All that we know for sure is that we all have at least something that we do better than most other people. And so today we're going to be looking at how do we manage these talents. And I want to look, first of all, is, is three ways to honor God with our talents and abilities. <laughs> three ways. Number one is this. By making an honest living. By making an honest living. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, settle down and get to work. Earn your own living. You know, there is something, and, and listen, I'm not talking about people that are not able to work. I'm not talking about people that have an illness or a situation where they're not able to work. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't believe that's what the Bible is talking about. <laughs> but when you are able to earn your own income, man, there's just, there's something rewarding about that. Now, here's the thing, though. Oftentimes, the, the only thing we think about our job is the money that we get out of it. We work for the paycheck so that we can relax on the weekend and look forward to vacation and count the days to retirement. I don't believe that is using our talents for God, okay? I have shared with you guys before that there are three types of jobs. I got this um, from um, Delatoro McNeil. He wrote a book several years ago called Caught Between a Job and a Dream. 
Excellent book. Um, I would encourage you to read it sometime. But in that book, he says there's basically three kind of jobs. There's your dream job. There are stepping stone jobs and there are dead end jobs. Okay. A dream job is the job. It's not the job where you make the most money necessarily. It's not the job where you get the most fame or it's not the job where you get the most vacation. It's not the job with the, the best retirement plan. The dream job is the job that best uses the talents that God gave you. That's a dream job. Now, what's a stepping stone job? <laughs> a stepping stone job is any job you have on your way to getting your dream job. Okay. And it doesn't necessarily have to be connected or in the same field or whatever as your dream job. Sometimes it can be a temporary job just because you need the, the finances at that point. Listen, when I was in college, I was a bus boy at Cracker Barrel. Now, that was not my dream job. It was a good job. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the people I worked with. My supervisors were, were easy to work with. Um, it was a good job. My wife worked with me, although she wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend. And uh, we rode to, rode to work a lot together and, and stuff like that. It was a good job. But it wasn't my dream job. And it wasn't necessarily connected to my dream job. There was, you know... You don't think, oh, busboy at Cracker Barrel, he's going to be a preacher one day. No, you don't, you don't think that. <laughs> Although there are a lot of things I learned on that job that I apply today. But it was a job that brought in finances while I need them, while I was studying, while I was continuing to work toward that dream job. Now, at the same time, I also had a, a weekend ministry uh, job, which that was not necessarily my dream job at the moment. But it again, it was another stepping stone job that I had um, during all of that. And then there's your dead end job. What's a dead end job? A dead end job is a job that you have settled for because it just pays the bills. It just pays the bills. My encouragement to you is to be creative. Now, please don't make any rash decisions to say, you know, Tommy's right. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow and go looking for my dream job. Please don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. But if you feel like you are not in your dream job, I would encourage you to be looking. And you may think, well, Tommy, I'm, I'm 50 years old. It's too late for me. Listen, take these two fingers, put them right here on your neck. Yeah, if you feel a little bump, 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 but if you can feel that right there, it's not too late for you, okay? If that doesn't work, put your hand in front of your mouth and go, if you can feel that, it's not too late for you, okay? It may take time. It may take some imagination. It may take some coaching in the process, but listen. Just because you spent 20 years of your life doing something you shouldn't have been doing is no excuse for spending the next 20 years doing the same thing. <laughs> Begin to develop a plan now to make a living doing something that God has gifted you in. What are your talents? God didn't just give you those talents so that you could volunteer at church every now and then. He gave you those talents so that you can make a difference in the world.
We can honor God with our abilities and our talents by making an honest living. And by that, we can change our workplaces. We can change them. We can make a positive difference in the workforce in this world. When we are plugged in to the talents and abilities that we have, and we're using those on a daily basis consistently while serving others. That's what a job is. The, the paycheck, that's just a bonus, okay? The paycheck I get from the church, that's a bonus. It's not why I'm here. It's a bonus for me. The difference that I get to make in people's lives, that's why I'm here. An opportunity to be able to change the world, that's why I'm here. You know, when I interviewed for this job with, with the elders and, and Jim, over the, over the telephone, when I was back home in Kiwi, Kentucky, and I was interviewing for this job, I told them, I am not looking for a job. I'm looking for a headquarters to change the world. And I, that is as much true today as it was back in 2019. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the paycheck. It makes a huge difference in our lives, okay? But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to change the world and to take you guys along with me because I'm making an honest living by using my talents that God is giving me. All right, you can tell I'm passionate about this stuff, okay? Let's go on to the next one. First of all, we can we can um, we can honor God with our abilities and our talents by making an honest living. Secondly, by building up the church, using our talents and abilities to build up the church. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse twelve. And we've looked at this verse several times before, but I love the way it's wording and worded in the Living Bible. Look at this. Paul writes, why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. You know what? The church needs you. The church needs you. We need each other. We need the church. I cannot mature adequately. Without you using your talents, just like you can't mature adequately without me using my talents. Okay? We all need to use our talents and abilities within the church, not only in our jobs, but in our church. Now, I know oftentimes people, they, they have these abilities in their jobs, but yet they're reluctant to use them in the church because they want the weekend to get away from it all. Listen, if you're in a job where you consistently have to get away from it all, I would encourage you again to look for another job. <laughs> but as far as the church, what is it that God has gifted you in? What talents and abilities has he given you? And that's the place to get plugged in in the church. And you may say, well, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how I could use my talents for the church. Is there a ministry or something that we're doing that they could use? Hey, come and talk to us. Talk to me. Talk to one of the other leaders. Talk to Joe. Come and talk to us. 
We can find a way to use your talents and abilities. And listen, if we don't have anything going, we'll start something new. Okay? Because God didn't give you those abilities to sit on the sideline and watch what everybody else is doing. He gave you those talents and abilities to be able to serve him. And when we do, not only when we when we use those talents and abilities to make a living, can we change our workplace? When we use those talents and abilities in the church, we can change the church. Okay? The church is constantly growing. It talks in that verse about building up the church, about maturing the church, about attaining the strength and maturity. What is that? That's change. And you may think, Tommy, are are you trying to change the church? Yes. Yes, I am. And you know what? If you're following God, you're trying to change it too. Unless we're perfect. And we're not. We are not perfect. We've got to continually be changing or we're not growing. We're not maturing. And the one of the greatest ways for us to mature and to change and to grow is for each one of us to be using our talents within the environment of the church as we serve one another and we serve together. We can change the church. Now, let's go on to the third one. Not only can we use our talents and abilities to honor God by making an honest living and by building up the church, but by serving others. By reaching beyond the walls of our church. Sometimes as a church, we have a tendency, and I'm not saying this just about us. I'm saying this about every congregation. We have a natural tendency to narrow our focus on us. And that's the last thing we need to do as a church. That's not where the focus needs to be. The focus needs to be on what God wants to do in us and through us beyond the walls of the church. I had a professor at Johnson Bible College, it's Johnson University now, but I had a professor who said one time in, in, in a chapel service, he said about every 20 years, we ought to take all the churches and line them up, and blow them up and start all over. <laughs> He got in a little trouble for saying that in in um, in our chapel service, I think. But but the reason for saying that was this is because it's been studied that there are cycles in churches. And oftentimes when a church is brand new, they they're very externally focused. They're outward focused on how they can reach the community and how they can minister to the community. But the longer they exist. Typically, that's not true in every case, but typically the more inward focused they become, which is just the opposite of the church that we read about in the Bible. The church in the Bible was outwardly focused, externally focused. And so not only do we need to be using our talents and abilities to make a living, and to serve within the walls of the church, but to also to serve outside the walls of the church. I want to look again at 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10. We looked at this in the beginning. It says, God has given each of you some special ability, abilities. Look at this. Be sure to use them to help each other. What is that? 
That's serving within the walls of the church. And I use the word walls loosely, but I'm talking about, you know, within our congregation, the people within our church. And you, and you guys have been great examples of that. And I love that. Let us let us never become uh, content in that. Let us let us have a holy discontent that we continue to grow in that. But I just want to say, hey, we do a pretty good job of that. Let's continue to grow in it. Be sure to use them to help each other. But then look what it says, passing on to others, God's many kinds of blessings, passing on to others. Let's go beyond the walls. Let's reach out and beyond because what you've experienced within the church, the way that it's blessed you, it will bless others and it will change their life. Potentially, it can change their eternal life. When we minister to people outside the church, when we use our talents and abilities within our workplaces, we could change our workplaces. When we use them within the church, we could change the church. When we use them outside the walls of the church, we can change the world. We could change the world. Now, how do we manage this? Guys, I want to leave you with just a, just a few more things as we close out here. Uh, several weeks ago, this was probably late January, early February, when we were doing the Do Something series, uh, we had a message on being a 3D Christian. I just want to revisit that because when it comes to our talents, this, this is the procedure. And as a church, we want to become better and better at helping people through this three-step process. It's a becoming a 3D Christian or becoming a 3D church. And these are the three Ds. <laughs> Discover, develop, and demonstrate. Discover what your talents and abilities are. What are those things that you're good at? And listen, if you want to help, if you want help walking through that, let me know. Some of you have reached out to me and we've been going through this process of looking at what our, our passions are and our abilities and how our personality plays into all this. Listen, I love doing that stuff. That's the coach side of me coming out. If you already know what they are, great. Grab hold of them. And the next step is to develop them. Begin to develop those and work on those and and strengthen those, read books about those. Listen, one of my abilities, I've already said, is, is preaching and, and public speaking and, and life coaching. That's a that, Those are the things I do well. I do better than most other people. But you know what I take classes on and read books on and learn from others that are better than me on? Preaching, public speaking, and life coaching. I want to be better. I seek out people who do those things better than I do so that I can learn from them. I read their books. I watch their videos. I go to their seminars and their conferences. I, <clears throat> I want to learn how to do this, these things better. I want to develop them. Our tendency, and we've talked about this, our tendency is to go, well, I'm already good at that. Let me work on my weaknesses. It's a difference between mastery and maintenance. Okay, mastery is when you find those things you are good at and you become better. Maintenance are those things that you're not so good at and you work on just to improve a little bit. And we need both, mastery and maintenance. 
but we need to spend about 80% of our time doing the mastery and about 20% of our time doing the maintenance. Spend most of your time, energy, and effort in developing those things that you already do well. And then the third step is demonstrate, put them into action, do them. Just, just take the plunge and go out there. Now, you know, the one thing that oftentimes keeps us from going through this process, the discovery, development, and demonstration of our talents and abilities is fear. Fear is the biggest. The biggest issue that I work with in life coaching clients is fear. It's the fear. They know what to do. They know what they want to do. They know what God is wanting them to do, but they have trouble doing it because they're just scared. Look at Matthew 25, verse 25. This was the one servant who hid his talent in the ground. And this was his response. When the master came to him and asked him, where's your talent? What happened? What did you do? He explained, and then he goes, and I was afraid, and I went away, and I hid your talent in the ground. Overcome the fear, guys. And you know the best way to overcome your fear? Action. Action. If you're afraid to do something, you know what you got to do? That very something. That's what you got to do. And I told you guys last weekend we went to a Tony Robbins co conference. Um, he's one of those guys that are that are better at life coaching than me, and I like to learn from him. And um, and it was a great conference. But one of the things that Tony Robbins says, he goes, "If you can't, you must." I love it. If you can't, you must. If there's something you cannot do because you're afraid, you must do it. Do it. Now, I'm not talking about jumping off a cliff or something goofy like that, but I'm talking about using the talents that God gave you for him, for his glory in the workplace, in the church, and in the world. Use those talents that God has given you. Overcome that fear. And you know what overcomes fear? Faith. Use your faith to go ahead and take action. And amazing things will happen. And what does it mean to have faith in the midst of your fear? It means keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You remember what happened to Peter when he stepped out on the water? The great thing is he stepped out on the water. The bad thing is, is once he stepped out on the water, he became afraid. Better than the others, they were afraid. To, they were too afraid to even step out on the water. They didn't leave the boat. At least Peter took action. He needed help along the way because of his fear. But because of his faith, Jesus was there to help him. Listen, if you're afraid, do it anyway. It's what you got to do. Whatever. If you need help, you need support, you need prayer, you need somebody to hold your hand, it's okay. Just take the action. Do whatever it takes to take the action. Overcome the fear with faith. By keeping your eyes on Jesus. And then even if we get afraid and fall, he will reach out his hand and lift us up. Let's pray. God, I pray that you be with us as we manage our talents, that you will help us to use them for your glory and your honor in our workplaces, in our church, 
and in the world, dear Father, so that we can change our workplaces, change our church, and change the world. Help us to overcome that fear through faith as we follow Jesus, as he leads us to use our talents for your glory. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.